0: I find it difficult a lot of the time to start a new podcast. First of all, I want to make sure that I deliver the best representation of my life as a podcast that I can. I know that my ultimate goal is to compile all of my podcast into a book. A book yet untitled but something similar to This Is Me in podcast or This Is My Life in podcast. I haven't figured it out yet, but I'm discovering that the best way to get my life stories and life messages across is to represent them in podcast now i say that i find it difficult at times to start recording a podcast it's my anxiety of course I don't understand it necessarily, and you would think that as a psychotherapist, I would. And so, okay, fine, I do understand it. I understand that my anxiety keeps me from making a start. Based on experiences and based on my professional contacts with clients, that's where it starts. A lot of the time, the anxiety creeps up on us and keeps us from making a start. One of the big things that I share with my clients is that when I developed or started experiencing my extreme anxiety, when I lived in the Bay Area, probably about 12 years ago. I wanted to jump out of my skin. I didn't realize what was happening to me. All I knew was when I had to go about my, as other people would call them, daily routines, I found it difficult to start I found it difficult to understand my place in doing anything because I perceived myself as an individual who was incapable of doing anything. And I was making that judgment as I was looking around others within my environment, on the bus, walking down the street, within the workforce as they had it all together. And I wanted to jump out of my skin. I know that I don't want to ever experience that again. I know that I want to be there for others to express that you may go through this But as they say, it does get better. I went on the medication Celexa. And what's interesting is, when I first had these feelings, my next-door neighbor, Kathy, whom I've talked about before, who saved my life, who I will love to the ends of the earth, Provided me with her Xanax. Now I don't think I'm telling tales out of school here, but this was the aftermath of Kathy going through a double mastectomy and re-creative surgery, if that's what they call it. Anyway, you know what I mean. And so she had the Ativan. And she gave it to me. And it worked to a certain degree, but that type of medication is so habit-forming that I knew I did not want to rely on that. So I called my psychiatrist. Interestingly, my psychiatrist said, well, take your friend's Etevan. I said, uh, no. First of all, it's my friend's medication. And secondly, I don't want to be on something that's habit-forming. I want a prescription for something that is not lifelong, but long-term. And something that is not habit-forming. See, I say these things because I think it's important for anybody and everybody to realize you have to advocate for yourself when it comes to your own medical history and well-being. It's important for you to know the facts. I knew the facts. A lot of people don't know the facts because this sort of smacks them in the face they don't understand what's going on and so they're reliant desperate I felt desperate to be relieved of these feelings yet I still had my wits around me and I advocated for myself and so my psychiatrist did prescribe me Celexa and I started it. And one of the things that I think a lot of individuals who are starting medication, I've certainly relayed this to clients who are beginning new medications. When the medications start working, the symptoms do increase. It's the medication working on the brain chemistry From what I've read and from what I understand, it's normal. But then, of course, I discovered when the symptoms increased and I went online to find threads of encouragement that I could read from other individuals who were going through similar things, they would say that. The symptoms do increase. It's the medication working on your brain chemistry. It does get better. And in retrospect, I see that. But when I was going through it, all my mind would tell me is, yes, it worked for you, but it won't work for me. I'm here to tell you again. It's an irrational belief, but it seems rational at the time. If anybody who is listening to this post is going through something similar, believe me, it does get better, but it does get worse on medication before it does get better. So as you all know, there was a pause in between because I went off on a tangent and forgot, for lack of a better way to put it, what I initially set out to massage or message to my audience. I find it difficult to start and I've realized I find it difficult to start. Do you realize that I found it difficult to start this particular podcast. But I made up my mind I'm going to start and I started and now look at me. I'm off on tangents. I'm sharing stories. I'm sharing what I want to share probably even more than I thought I would share but I'm doing it and that's the ticket that's the trick when you find that it's difficult for you to start it's important for you to be deliberate and persistent in making yourself start one of the stories I share with clients is that. When my anxiety started, and when it was at its worst, and that was around the time that my neighbor Kathy found me and gave me the Xanax. And to be honest with you, I lived on the 22nd floor. I didn't find this out until later that she was actually extremely fearful that I would jump. Now that thought never crossed my mind. But I'm grateful and happy and love Kathy for thinking about that because she kept the cautious eye on me. But what I internalized and associated were feelings that I think a lot of people do, but they don't understand. First of all, I was having the anxiety. It was the morning time I was in bed, the alarm went off. I knew that it was time for me to get up, get ready, and go into the quote unquote nine to five job with anxiety. Do you see how all these things can coalesce in one meaning? So moving forward, even though the medication tremendously alleviated the anxiety, I was still left with the associations I made of anxiety and work and dread and mourning and everything else that went along with it. I internalized them. My brain learned them and my brain left on autopilot enacted them without me really having any say, without having any say in it, because I did not realize that I was allowing my brain to run on autopilot. That sounds like a lot of complexity there, but it's really very simple. The brain is always listening, and the brain is always learning. So what we subconsciously or inadvertently think or react or behave... In association, the brain is learning and the brain is making that connection. To this day, I still have that connection, but I've had to learn that I need to make a new connection, AKA retrain my brain. I'm working with that connection. So as I've told my clients, what I do in the morning when the alarm goes off, Alexa, <laughs> my alarm, oh, can you hear her in the background, she goes off and makes the sound that it's time for me to get up. And what I've trained myself to do is I immediately throw my legs over the bed. I don't give myself time to think about it. Because if I give myself time to think about it, I'm going to find that I succumb the old behaviors of just saying let me stay in the bed let me find comfort in the bed that's my safe place but by realizing that I throw my legs over the side of the bed that sets a new pattern into play I throw my legs over the bed I know because I've internalized things will be better the anxiety is not going to be there anywhere near as much as it was before. Now let's back up a second. I think I've talked about this before and I'm. it's worth reiterating. When one goes on medication, the medication is responsible for the most part in mitigating about 50% of the symptoms yay because when it mitigates 50% of the symptoms then the brain is able to process information and therefore start constructing healthy coping strategies and the healthy coping strategies are the other 50% so let's not forget our part so going back to me part of my part is the healthy coping strategy of throwing my legs over the side of the bed that is internalized with the feeling that I've trained my brain things will be better you won't have the anxiety as much so get up, get out and do and I'm here to tell you it do I get up I realize I've got clients scheduled. I've got to go get mother her lunch. I've got to take out the trash. I've got to get my Lulu her diabetes shot. All these things lead me in the direction of a healthy life. It's not easy. It's a healthy life, and it really is. Even though there's this midi- there's this cloud of anxiety hanging over me, but between the medication and me learning how to deal with it based on my ability, my control, I'm not gonna succumb to anxiety and depression. I'm empowered. I'm going to be in control in conjunction with all these things. I live my life. I move my my life forward and it's healthy and I'm happy and I'm productive and you can be too and you know you can that's the important concept here knowing you can Maybe not knowing how you can, but that's where you seek the guidance from somebody like me or other experienced individuals. But knowing you can is the most important concept because knowing you can puts you in a position to discovering the ways that you can or elaborating on the ways that you already have demonstrated yourself by your point of reference in moving forward. It's a lot, I know, and I hope that even a portion of what I'm saying resonates with my listeners I'm going to be having more podcasts on this. I just felt the need to express all of these feelings. Like a ping pong ball jumping over here, jumping over here, jumping over here, jumping over here. But it was important for me. And it's important for you. Anyway, I've lived to tell. I hope you're getting a lot out of my podcast. I hope that my message is resonating with a lot of individuals out there. Again, I've lived to tell till next time.